Hello and welcome to the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast. I know this because we are huge in Spain now. A lot of downloads in Spain. Hello, Spain. This is the show where we talk all things transportation, and as far as we know, it's the longest-running show of its kind on the Internet. I am the traffic anchor for Denver 7 News, Jason Luber. I'm Denver 7's own executive producer and pedestrian advocate, but recently converted car owner, Joseph Peters. There you go. And in just a bit... We're going to talk about your road trip adventure, bringing your car from the hitherlands back here. Still weird to call it my car, man, but it's a beautiful feeling. We want a full debriefing of the drive from New England back here. I'm going to basically grill you with a whole bunch of questions first, and uh, that's the way we're going to go after this. It's going to be very Geraldo. Um Without a bank vault that's empty kind and of thing. hopefully without Geraldo. <laughs> exactly, without the mustache. Um, I'm sure you had to stop for gas a few times Correct. on your way here. Yes, sir. But in Boonesville, Mississippi, surveying gas pump number eight from his post behind the counter at the Walker Avenue Shell Station, local clerk Marvin Peters. Uh, any relation? No, no. Marvin Peters told reporters he was especially pleased to see pump number two performing so well among the customers. He said... Pump number two definitely gets short shrift because it's not the easiest to pull into and it doesn't have a window wash station. So it's always nice when two pulls in the numbers it really deserves. Marvin noted that he had been happy to see the trusty old fueling pump really take off with several sedans and even a couple of gas-guzzling vans a few hours into the morning shift. You'd expect pump four or eight to get this level of traffic, sure, and obviously nothing is going to measure up to pump number five. Clearly five is the most popular pump, and that's never going to change. But old two, well, it had a little something special. It's nice to see an underdog get its due every once in a while. After taking one more fond glimpse of the pump, Marvin then reportedly shook his head and chuckled warmly to himself as he watched some naive young fellow hauling a boat attempt to snake his way into pump number six. Ooh, pump warfare. You always got to love it when pump number two comes through. I could imagine watching those things like the horses, man. It sounds like a grand old day in Mississippi. <laughs> well, I often hear complaints from drivers who see single drivers using the HOV lanes. Like here in Colorado, in many places, you have to have three or more people in the HOV, but there are other places where you only need two. So I present to you a story that happened in the last week or so of an HOV lane violation that I think should not be a violation. The Nevada Highway Patrol Southern Command, serving Las Vegas and surrounding areas, they tweeted out this message. Today, we stopped a local funeral home hearse in the HOV lane. The driver had the dearly departed in the back. He, the driver, thought the deceased could be counted as another person. I guess we should clarify this. Living, breathing people count for the HOV lane. The driver was given a warning. Well, sir, that was not good enough for me. As you can imagine. Nope. 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 There is no stipulation in the HOV law. That I have read that indicates the person must be alive. Not that I think it's a great idea to drive around with dead people in your car, but it should count as an HOV. Mm. The dead person is still a person. This is a slippery slope, man. 
I, I just want you to know that, but go on. The Nevada state law, number 48A.460. I looked this up, this law, and it states that a high-occupancy vehicle means A, a vehicle that is transporting more than one person, B, a motorcycle regardless of the number of passengers, C, a bus regardless of the number of passengers, and D, any other vehicle designated by regulation. Did you hear anywhere in there that a person has to be alive? No. No. I didn't hear that. Nope. I did not read that. Nope. And I don't see anywhere in here it says you have to be alive. Look it up yourself, folks. Read it if you want to. It's not there. I don't see it. No. So the guy should. Now, here's the thing. The guy was just given a warning so he can't go to court and prove this whole thing and then get in a rug and mall. Because I, I would go out there and defend this man, and I would be his first in line to say, well, we are going to court, and we are getting after this one. We are on your side, buddy. We are all over this one. But he, he was just given a warning and, and allowed to move on. But I was also thinking, then, a pregnant woman should also count as two people, or I guess three if she's having twins, mm-hmm. right? Yep, yep. I also read one of the comments on uh, Twitter from after the command sent out their tweet from someone who said only licensed drivers should count. No. In the HOV no. as passengers. No. Like so you, you you can only have licensed drivers. No. No, I don't like that. Like giving a ride to a kid or someone without a license doesn't really take a vehicle off the road, so therefore you are not really contributing to less congestion because the people that are in your car wouldn't be driving anyway. That was the point. Uh, great. Good point. Still disagree with it. It is an interesting point, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Because good. they aren't really able to drive, so they wouldn't be adding to the congestion. You're just... But shouldn't we cut these people a right. break, these hardworking mothers and fathers out there who are transporting their little 10-year-old and 5-year-old? Don't they deserve an HOV lane, too? And I was thinking about this whole HOV lane thing. Because in that law, number C, (laughs) number C, a bus regardless of the number of passengers. So zero would be the number of passengers, wouldn't it? So if I had a bus, I would be able to drive in the HOV lane whenever I wanted without penalty because I was in a bus. That's true. You would also be driving a bus. (laughs) <laughs> okay, but I'm driving in the HOV lane for free. Is that a win-win? I don't yes. know if that's a win-win. Did ambulances get in the HOV lane? Didn't hear anything about that. The ambulance does not. Well, uh, maybe a vehicle designated by regulation. Okay. Now, here's we haven't gotten to my question yet. Can I take my cremated grandmother in the car with me, call that two people, and drive because in the she's HOV a lane? powdered person? That's I don't know. That's a person. That was a person. It was a I'm person. Sorry. That's a person, but, and they're very dear to me. Very dear person that is now... Well, not really in a body form. But it doesn't say anything about a body form. You're right. It says says a person. person. Yeah. I'm going to have all of my dead grandparents in the car with me, their ashes, and we'll we'll see if they want to give me a ticket for that. Maybe we should go there and do this on purpose. All right. Somebody that's listening to us from Las Vegas, we want you to drive in the HOV lane, but get pulled over, but have several urns of people in your car. And then tell the officer what's what's the deal, and then we're going to go to court and go in all the way to the Supreme Court on this one. Can you imagine that poor all officer? All the way. What is that officer even going to say? Oh, he's going to be in a world of, I didn't want to pull over this guy. 
What do you do if you take too hard to turn with all those ashes? <laughs> <laughs> Please secure them safely somehow in some, I don't know, boxes, crates, something that won't spill. Put a lid on it. There you go. But I guess that was the one time that uh, that uh, dead guy was late to his own funeral. I always say that about my wife, because she's always late to everything. Mm. So she's going to be late to her own funeral. All right, well, now we got over all that. Let's hear about your road trip adventure from the uh, great New England area back here to the old CO. Uh, it was great. I, you told me this was going to be a Q&A, man. Fire away. Uh, where did you start? Uh, so we were in Vermont, uh, the glorious town of Lindenville, and then we ended up in Denver. Aren't you supposed to, by the way, be bringing back some kind of like uh, uh, porcupine pea bourbon or something? Oh, or butt bourbon. Forgot about that. But Wasn't yes. it the butt bourbon? Something uh, like that? Gin, maybe? I don't know. It was some sort of liquor flavored with porcupine. Or something. Butt. I don't I know. Don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you, so you picked up a car. Yes. What kind of car? Uh, 2015 Nissan Altima, 145,000 miles on it. 145? 145. For a 2015? My mom drove a lot, man. My mom drove like 80 to 100 miles a day for all five years that she owned it. Where so. is she going? In- so it's part of the job, the- right? She works in three offices, and they're all 40 minutes away from her house. Wow. Yeah. All right, so you have a 145,000-mile car. Uh, it, it should still be in relatively good shape. It's really a Nissan. good shape, man. This thing's going to run till two hundred thousand if I get my way. So, so how was the uh, the drive? You you took what route to get here? Uh, so we took ninety five down to DC. That was the big that was the big adventure, right? Because DC is the difficult one, and I'm a brand new driver, so Tanya handled that one because she's a professional and I'm not. Um, and then we went DC to Asheville on whatever highway that is. I don't know. Beautiful highway though. I mean, you see a lot of the Western Carolina mountains, things like that. A lot of green, a lot of the sharp turns, things like that. Um, one of the more fun highways, I think we talked about this with a guy a few weeks back about the most fun highways in Uh America to drive. It's definitely near the top of the list. In terms of sheer beauty, the Blue Ridge mountains are Almost unmatched. And you stayed on, on the interstate, or did you go on uh, U.S. highways? So we were on U.S. highways for this part. The next leg of the trip is where things got interesting, because we had to go to Hillsboro, Tennessee, which is about an hour southeast of Nashville. And there's no like U.S. highway to get to Hillsboro, Tennessee, man. It's all backwoods and like state highways and things like that. And a lot of... Um, I'll put it this way. We were definitely in God's country. Rolling out of the holler. Yeah, man. Like It was, it was um, we, uh, we, we overshot my aunt and uncle's farm, but, and my wife was saying everybody in this town of 2,000 people saw the kid with Vermont plates and is calling your aunt and uncle right now. Like, <laughs> that damn Yankee just missed your house. You're going to want to look out for him. Um, and then the rest of the way was just U.S. highways straight back here. So from Nashville to Denver would be all U.S. Uh, 70. Right, or I-70. I-70. Um, and it sucks. It's a terrible drive. You hit Kentucky, you hit a little bit of Indiana, a little bit of Illinois. Uh, wait, wait, wait. So you went to Tennessee. Yep. And then you had to go from Tennessee up to I-70. Up to I-70. So maybe you don't hit Illinois, but you definitely hit like a little corner of Kentucky. Yeah. Um, and I think I want to say you get a little bit of Indiana in there, too, but maybe that's too far north. We definitely saw all of Missouri, man. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> and all of the state of Kansas. And so the big debate on, before we set out was, which Missouri city do you want to see more, St. Louis or Kansas City? St. Louis, Kansas City. And we spent days Well, both are on I-70. And we skipped them both. Both awful. 
Just how, how'd you do that? We oh, you mean you just you just kept going. Drove right through them and stopped in Topeka instead. Because <laughs> you figure if you're not going to stop to see anything, you may as well be in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> Perfect. Yep. So did you stay in hotels? Did you camp out? How did how did that work? We were with friends and family for most of the time. We didn't start staying in hotels until we got to Asheville. So we were in a we were in like a resort plantation in Asheville. And then in Nashville and Topeka, we just stayed in like the cheapest thing we could find, pretty much that wasn't a Motel Six. So it was a, it was interesting. Uh, pro tip out there for everybody who's booking through Hotel Tonight: they're going to charge you fees. So whatever price they charge you on Hotel Tonight is not the price you're going to pay at the end of the day. This seems like common sense advice, but when you get hit with the second charge on your credit on your uh, bank statement, you're like, where did this come from? And then you call the hotel and they say. Don't you read things you sign? We told you you were going to have to pay a $35 fee. You feel like a real jerk. <laughs> Hotel Tonight. Yeah. Never heard of that app. Check it out, man. Uh, and they sponsor a lot of podcasts. So Hotel Tonight, if you're listening. Boom. We're right here. We are here. And we're waiting for your dollars. Yes, uh, so you uh, did most of the driving. Some of the, What was the percentage of your driving? It was 50-50. But mine was a lot of the country driving and hers was a lot of the city driving. And as you can imagine, it turns into country driving real quick when you're talking about Kansas, Missouri, Kentucky, Tennessee, North Are Carolina. Are you better driver now that you have some hours behind you? 100%. 100% better driver. And, and I've, I've learned that I'm a much better daytime driver than nighttime driver, which kind of sucks because I work the night shift, so I'm definitely going to have to drive at night a lot. But uh, daytime driving, you can see a lot more, shockingly. Yes, shockingly. By the way, I came across an article where they say that it's easier for uh, less intelligent people to pass their driver's test over very intelligent people yes. or book smart kind of people. Um, it was Dr. Lee Hadlington, oh. a senior lecturer in psychology at De Montfort University. <laughs> he suggested that it might be down to the different skill sets people have, which determines how easy or how long it would take to pass a driver's test. Because he says it's uh, driving is a procedural task, uh, a lot of co- coordination, a lot of individual actions all at one time. Mm-hmm. Uh, feet, hands, eyes, ears. I mean, you're doing a lot of things. You're doing a lot of multitasking yep. all at one time. And that if we're trying to earn a higher degree, really intelligent people, they're they're not maybe as adept at those kind of skills, using a lot of multitasking as folks who aren't as high-minded well and dr hadlington did the research but i just add i think it's just a matter of overthinking versus relying on your instincts right when i when i play hockey one of the things people always tell me is like think less be dumb just do it you know and driving is kind of the same way you just look around trust your instincts know you know what you're doing and if you see space and you need to get into it just get into it don't think about whether somebody's going to pull up behind you or not you can't be like worried about what other people are going to do you kind of just have to drive Sometimes you got to close your eyes and say a little prayer and go get gut it. <laughs> right? The last time I heard a driver admit to doing that, we had that I-70 crash. So maybe not that. <laughs> That's, yeah. So you are uh, now a, a mobile, you're mobile with the, with the car. Yeah, I mean, man. And you know what's so funny about it is like it opens up so much of yes. the outdoors. Not necessarily like just, I mean, getting from point A to point B is a lot easier now. We can call that for what it is. Like every trip that used to take 45 minutes takes 15 minutes. So that's great. But I can I mean, Denver has this wide variety of parks, beautiful hiking trails, beautiful, I mean, and then you get out to Rocky Mountain National Park and all these mountain towns and things like that. And there's just a lot to see. And if you don't have a car, there's not a way to get there. 
There's just not. Yep. And so I have a car now and I find myself outdoors like 10 times as much as I used to be. I have bug bites, that I, which I never used to happen either because I was walking to commute, not walking for pleasure, being outside for pleasure. So it's just a total life change, man. It is a total life change. And I wonder how um, your perspectives are going to change after a couple of months being a more frequent driver than more frequent walker. And not living in the urban core like you have been and living in the suburban area uh, a little bit west of Denver. Absolutely. There is so. one thing we all agree on. And you know the answer to this. Bicyclists are the worst. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're doing a 360 story on yes, that. Yes, we are. <laughs> um, and, and by the way, this is a tease for next week. Uh, we're going to have an interview with it's because it, we were speaking about driver's ed. Yep. But Jim Nichols, the senior manager of product technology and brand communications at Volvo, has agreed to come on the show for next week. And he wants to talk all about apparently Volvo and uh, Harris poll did a poll about driver's ed and how Americans feel about driver's education and uh, the changes that it's gone through over the last 50 years. And it's pretty interesting stuff. Mm -hmm. And we'll also be able to talk to Jim about uh, the future of cars because obviously Volvo is on the, f the cutting edge for the future of cars and um, looking at uh, autonomy and, and looking at um, future of uh, connected technology and also at 5G. And we'll talk to him about the uh, future of transportation. You know, they have that Volvo uh, subscription service where you yep. can pay what is it 700 bucks a month we've talked about this on the show and you get a car and all you have to do is basically pay for the license plate and gas and they take care of everything else and it's a subscription service that you can keep getting a new car every year or so and um, so it's it, we'll, we'll talk to him about all these interesting things right and the driver's ed stuff is so interesting because one of the most common criticisms about America on a global level is that we put bad drivers on the road yeah and that's one of the and that's one of the pieces of this poll that was pretty interesting is that it sounds like the driver's ed, at least the way it is now, is just really a program to get you to pass the test and not a program to make you a good driver. Correct. Yep. And you went through that. Yeah. So it should be pretty interesting from your perspective. Yes, absolutely. Uh, to hear all that. Uh, so we have a service here at the TV station, and it's a, a service we call Contact 7. It is a service where people can call in, like they can call into our show, which we have still, I'm waiting for some good calls here, to 303-832-0217, where you can leave us a voicemail here on the podcast. Well, people call our con contact seven number, and they tell us of a problem that they've had, and they want us to look into it. Well, we received a complaint from someone the other day that involves his kids and Spirit Airlines. Basically, the situation was this guy was flying with his twin boys, air quotes here, as lap children from Denver to Los Angeles. So he goes out to Denver International Airport. He was not asked for any identification or age verification for the kids. And he was allowed to fly to Los Angeles. However, coming back through LAX, the man was asked for a birth certificate for the two boys. He didn't have the birth certificates for the boys. So he was denied boarding by Spirit. So this man is upset with Spirit Airlines, right, mm -hmm. for not letting him on the plane. Well, our uh, the reporter sold it to the newsroom to go do the story. Today we spoke with an Aurora man who had planned to fly back to Colorado from L.A. with his family. Instead, he had to drive because Spirit Airlines would not allow them to board. The reason? 
he failed to bring his twin two-year-old son's birth certificates with him. Okay. But as the late great Paul Harvey used to say, now for the rest of the story. As this man was telling his story to our reporter, I went back and I listened to the whole thing. He said that after he was denied boarding for his flight, he called customer service. He said the customer service person changed the birthday of the boys on the reservation, saying that they shouldn't now have a problem getting on the plane. Right there is the problem. Obviously, if a customer service person is looking at the reservation and then has to change the birthday on the reservation to get the child on the airplane as a lap kid, the man knew the boys were past their second birthday. Honestly, that is where the cutoff is. Your second birthday. You are no longer a lap child once you turn the age of two. So this guy, after having the birth dates changed, goes back to the airport the next day, and the ticketing agent then looks at the itinerary and can probably see the original and now sees the changes and then sees all kinds of messed up stuff there and gets really nuts about it and and gets nuts about all of this and says, uh-uh, your kids and you, and we're not, you're not getting on our airplane right now. This is too wonky and we're not doing it. The man mentioned something about talking with Frontier, but I didn't see anything about him uh, going any farther with it and trying to book that or... Maybe he did need, uh, 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 I guess, identification because once you have a person, a child, who reaches their second birthday, they are then considered technically not an adult, but they are an adult as it comes to the airlines and TSA and FAA regulations. You are a paying customer once you hit your second birthday. And you got to buy a ticket, folks. And that's what this all comes back to. And you have to, to pull, show an ID. Yep. He was trying to pull the cheap dad trick and trying to get this kid on the airplane without having to pay for a ticket for him. The old, oh, I'm 11, so I'll get into Santa's Village on, on a discount price, right? The exact same trick. And he got caught. He did get caught. And this is what happens, man. You get thrown off the flight. So this guy decides his best option is to get a one-way car rental in Los Angeles and drive it from there back with his two kids, uh, all the way back to Denver at a cost of almost $700 for the rental is what he said. Plus, he says he's out of, the, uh, out of pocket for, for the money that it took for hotel stays and for the food and the gas and the t- original tickets that he had on Spirit. So that was all wasted because he was denied boarding. And, uh, you know, it's about a 15-hour drive from L.A. So that's, that's two full days in the car with twin boys. That can't be fun. That's got to be a rough ride, um, and you got to feed wait, them. Wait, wait, wait! Two twin boys who are under the age of two, right? No, they're not under the age but of two. So they are two. Where do you get car seats? You can rent them from the. Okay. You can rent them. Sorry, not a father here. Clearly, <laughs> yes. Uh, you can at a car rental agency rent the car seats, but they are quite expensive. Right. Uh, so what we reported as originally a story about this innocent guy who was was denied boarding by the big bad discount airline because he didn't have his birth certificates for his sons is completely different than what really happened it seems to me like as you said this guy was wanting his kids to fly free and either they were just about to turn two they had turned two recently and 
when they were in Los Angeles, they were denied the uh, boarding of getting on the airplane. My wife brought up a really good point. In Denver, I don't think we have a big issue with human trafficking. Mm. But mm-hmm. they do in Atlanta. You remember that story where that lady, crazy lady, yep. was trying to steal somebody's kids right from the stroller? Yep. When, when we were in Atlanta the last time in January, there were signs up everywhere in the airport about human trafficking, and we're looking for this, and we're searching for this, and we're going to be vigilant about it. Miami. And another place where it happens, LA. Los Angeles. Yep. So when, when the gate agent sees this dad coming up with, with these two boys— and they look like they're at least two. So they don't look like they're infants. They don't look like, and, and gate agents, they know. They know what kids' ages look like because they see them all the right, time. Exactly. Right, exactly. They're, they're educated in this matter. And so he's, they, the, the gate agent will see the, the father coming up, doesn't have identification for the kid, in an area where there could be human trafficking going on, kid trafficking, whatever, kidnapping, and th- they ask for identification. I see nothing wrong with that. I'm glad they, uh, the airline and that gate agent or the, the ticketing agent did this. Because if, 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 yes, this one father had his two sons and it was innocent and he was just trying to skirt the system and get his kids on for free. But it could have been something different. And she could have been de- deny boarding for, for somebody who was trying to steal two kids. Yep. We don't know. Right. And that gate agent, the ticket agent doesn't know. They don't know. Well, it's not their responsibility to know. It's their responsibility to do their job and say, hey, man, you don't have what you need. Can't board. There were a lot of holes in this guy's story as he was talking about it. Because he, he, he's now asking for Spirit Airlines to pay for his rental car, his hotel, his food, his unused tickets, complaining that the airline was unfair and he's blasting Spirit for doing wrong. When really, as I see the facts, he was doing wrong. I, I'm not trying to be a defender of Spirit Airlines because they are my favorite airline. They're not. They offer a service at a low price, and then you got to add on all your extra garbage. That's fine. And I've heard bad stories about their customer service or uh, the way they handle their bag fees and and plane fee, all the fees that they that they get you with. Yes, they're a terrible airline. We can and, call a spade a spade. But that, and that's everybody's opinion if you want to have that opinion. But in this case, Spirit Airlines is not in the wrong, as I see the facts. Because really, after 9-11, there is, there is no more joking or playing around or getting past security measures at airports anymore. It, it's a different world. You, don't, you, you can't joke with the, with the TSA. Well, and let's go back to the cheap dad thing. If you had money to get a pl- uh, car and two car seats and drive 15 hours across the country, you had the money to just buy the kids their tickets in the first place and not try to pull some scam like this. Right. But I think he had to borrow a lot of this money. So I think what happened was he wanted to save the 100 bucks on the round-trip flight, probably. Yep. Maybe a couple hundred bucks, whatever it was. Probably a couple hundred. Like, that sounds right. And now he's paying $1,000 and having to borrow it because he didn't look like he's the richest guy in the world. No. He's it looks like spirit. Yeah, he's flying spirit. It looked like he uh, was a blue-collar guy, probably working for, um, you know, 20 bucks an hour, and unfortunately... He probably doesn't have a whole lot of extra money to spare between right. he and his wife and uh, and all of his kids. So you go to the airport, air, air, airport, don't joke around with the flight attendants. We've talked about stories 
yep. where you talk, where you where you joke around with the flight attendants, you get in big trouble. Well, in birth certificates, that's a pretty common thing for new parents, right? Like you want to make sure to have those birth certificates with you a lot because you're going to get asked about it in the first few years of ch- after you have a child. Yeah, and I specifically, even though I I brought my kids with me to uh, um, on cruises, we have passports for them. So they have identification. It's a lot easier to bring the passport than it is actually to bring a birth certificate. And every time we've gone to TSA or even at the, uh, the ticketing, if we have to go through the ticketing, I have them ready to go. I have them ready, and sometimes they'll ask for them, and sometimes they don't. But they, the TSA never asks for the ID for the kids. Never, ever. Um, but they sometimes do when you're, when you're getting your tickets. Right. And I don't blame them. It's their job. That is their job. And maybe the people in Denver for, for Spirit should have done their job in the first place. And then this guy would have been sent home, still missed that flight, right? But then he would been a, 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 a maybe he would have been smart enough to get his birth certificate. I don't know if he even has it at home on file. But I, Most this, people don't. This can't be overstated, though. Missing flights for whatever reason and being stranded somewhere is an expensive problem no matter who you are. Like, if you missed a flight for this reason, you're either stuck in Los Angeles or you're paying for a rental car. But think about somebody who gets stuck in Chicago on a cross-country fr- flight from Baltimore to Denver. Now you're in Chicago for two days having to pay for an unexpected hotel, probably right. having to pay for a new ticket. I and mean, that's food. A, and That's a burden, man. And what if you miss work? Yeah. All exactly. of that stuff. Uh, de- you know, child care, any of that kind of stuff. Yep. I asked the reporter if he knew the exact birth date for the twins, and he told me that the boys, in his words, are definitely two years old. And they are too old to be sitting in their parents' lap. What? That's what he told me. Now, when I saw a video of the kids, they look like they are at least two years old. And they did look too big to be sitting in the parents' lap. And the reporter said to me, he also has a lot of questions. Off the record, he said, Spirit says the family lied about their son's age. And the father denied it. So it comes down to the father probably when he was making the booking put the put the ages of the kids in there forgot that maybe either forgot he did it or didn't realize that uh it, that it wasn't a 2 year old that could sit on your lap because when they say kids to the, up to the age of 2 can sit on your lap he's probably thinking if you're 2 you can sit in my lap not yep. up to the age of 2 where at your second birthday you cannot no longer you, you no longer can be a lap child right Either way, a birth certificate would have ended that discussion. Now, all all honesty here, there was a trip I took from Denver to New York. It was a cruise to Bermuda. And with me and my wife was my oldest daughter. And my second oldest daughter, her birthday was uh, right in the middle of the trip. Mm. So we flew to New York where she was technically still one and 11 months and however many days. Turned two in New York, and then when we flew back, I did not buy her a separate ticket. We still had her as a lap child on the way back, even though technically she was two years old. Um, so and we had no problem with it. We had the passport. We had. I, I was prepared if they were going to make me and make a stink out of it. I would say fine, but just give me a seat or whatever the case may be. I didn't think there was going to be a problem with it, but I didn't intentionally think, all right, I'm just going to go with a free kid that's uh, at least two and a half years old. 
She's just gonna be going into kindergarten saying, "Oh yeah, I'm I'm two. Yeah, that's right. She's gonna be saying it. I'm one and a half. <laughs> so yeah, it, you know that's and that's how stories get twisted right there. That's how they get twisted. And you are the executive producer of this news broadcast. Can't comment. <clears throat> Navigating public transport is a daunting and often frustrating task, right? That's correct. But what happens when you hop on a bus or a train in another city? How close is too close to stand next to your fellow passenger? And are you supposed to thank the driver? No. No to the second one. Never thank the driver. It depends on where you are, sir. No. In an effort to understand global public transport etiquette, the Guardian newspaper in the UK asked their readers, who are global... To share the unspoken rules of their daily city commute. Amid the horror stories of vomiting and Tupperware and unwittingly overhearing phone sex. Here are some tips unlikely to ever be advertised publicly. We will start with the capital of the former Soviet Republic of Georgia. Tbilisi. No. Tbilisi. Tbilisi. Nailed it. (laughs) One reader says... Get used to being intimate with a woefully inadequate number of buses and a chronically underfunded municipal transport department. Many people in that city rely on privately run yellow minivans to get around. Exiting the minivans from the back seats involves significant levels of forced intimacy with those you pass. (laughs) A degrading experience that is impossible to avoid. I can tell you from experience... In some of the Central American countries that I've visited and taken the bus, the buses are just vans. Yep. And you get in, and you do sometimes have to crawl over somebody to get to your seat or a seat, and some people don't want to move, and it's just, it's different, but that's the way they do it. Everybody get comfortable. All right. Kangsha, China. All available space must be filled. The situation is similar in Changsha, China. Where the unspoken rule is, if there is a space, it needs to be filled. Male, female, it doesn't matter. Chest to chest, leg twined with others for stability. There is no possibility to turn around. You just need to find a space at shoulder level to see your phone. Great. Sounds like fun. I can't wait. Cork, Ireland. Drivers love gossip. In Cork, you should come equipped with stories and the right change for your ride. The reader shared six... Simple tips for traveling around the city. Be prepared to talk to people. Often older passengers like to chat. Do not give the bus driver large bills or small change. Have it ready or they'll tell you to get off the bus. Always thank the bus driver even if they were 20 minutes late. Run for the bus even if it is pulled away from the stop as most drivers will let you on. No loud music. The radio is played on most buses and the bus driver will tell you to get off if your headphones are too loud. And last but not least, the bus driver's Love a bit of gossip. Again, these are all these uh, unspoken rules of daily commuters as shared by the Guardian newspaper in the UK from around the world. That's a good one, man. I like that one. There needs to be more drivers who enjoy gossip and not drivers who try to get you to work for them. Do you see a lot of that? You want to go work for them? No. (laughs) Bangkok, Thailand. Always give your seat up for a monk. Oh. In Bangkok, you should never point the soles of your feet at anyone. It's considered exceptionally rude in Thai culture. 
Always give up your seat for a monk, and if you're in a public park or at a train station at 8 a.m. or 6 p.m., you're expected to stand completely still as the Thailand national anthem is played. We need that in America. That is a good one. Man. You like that one? I like that one a lot. Instead of having the bell towers, just the anthem. Twice just a the day. anthem? Yep. I like that. Mumbai, India. Think of it like the gym. In Mumbai, traveling on public transport should count towards your recommended daily dose of physical activity. As a local train enters the station, people do a disco dance to get the seats where you have to do some pushing and pulling. Reserving seats for your group is also another tradition. Mobocracy rules, and a single passenger has no choice but to give in. Since the local train journey is good exercise, there's no need to go to a gym. Nice. I've also seen pictures of their trains where people are on top of it, on the side of it, and the front of it, right next to it. Not good. Okay. A touch overcrowded. Taipei, Taiwan. Never sit in a priority seat. In Taipei, you should never sit in a priority seat like a lot of tra- transit systems. All buses and subway cars have priority seats. Now, the signage on them states that you should yield your seat to the elderly or small children and pregnant women. But really, you're just not supposed to sit in them at all, ever, even if there are nobody else on the train in Taipei. I love this. What if, what if Jason? Yes. Luxury RTD. For $9, you're in a much smaller cabin. It takes you directly to, to where you want to go, and you get a charging station and free Wi-Fi. It's called Uber. <laughs> they already have that. That's true. <laughs> but we could have maybe priority sections on the bus. Well, like the limited lines, right? Well, where you, you only have, have nine or ten stops as opposed to 35 or 40. Well, maybe you just have a front row section and a, a first class section and a, and a second class section. And a bouncer. And, and coach. Yeah. I maybe like you have that. bench seats in the back with uh, no seat belts and just a, a like a... And a trough to go pee in. Yeah, and a couple seats up top, too, <laughs> like on the roof. You, you exactly. You got this, man. Right. Berlin, Germany. Anything goes. The biggest rule is that there are no rules. Absolutely anything goes on Berlin's public transport. It's famous for pictures of people moving furniture on the train, boarding with a pony, or doing pop-up concerts and parties. The most favorite time for many is to ride on New Year's Eve, where it becomes the city's largest and most diverse event. Okay. Bring me to Berlin. Perth, Australia, Dublin, Ireland, Halifax, Canada, and Auckland, New Zealand. Always thank the driver. I could see you shaking your head. I I could not disagree with this more. Readers from those four cities said that a simple act of courtesy would get you a long way on their transport networks. There is an unspoken rule in Perth that everyone, and I mean everyone, says thank you to the driver when leaving a bus. It is also normal practice to yell thank you to the bus or ferry attendant when exiting from a rear door. I see that a lot. When I used to ride the RTD bus here around Denver, people always thank the bus driver. Which is so funny because I just like vehemently disagreed with it, but I always do it. Like a nice shout at, hey, thanks. You know what right. I mean? Something like that. And, and part of it is you know, thanking the driver. The other part of it is making it known to everybody else on the bus that you and the driver have a relationship. Don't mess with me. Especially on Colfax Avenue. Th- that I am a U- regular here. Yes. And it's, I'm not just some first-time junkie. Please don't come up next to me and try to start a conversation and then follow me off the bus and see if I want to hang out or anything like that. I'm good. I'm no, good. we don't need that. No. 
but also the bus driver. It's not a bad job. It's not, it, but it, it can be, I suppose, a thankless job. It's certainly a job. At least in Denver, it's certainly a job where you do a lot of looking the other way when people are wasted or fighting on your bus. <laughs> That's true. Uh, and I saw one when Gene and I were golfing the other day uh, over there in Arvada. We're right next. One of the holes is right next to a bus stop, and we just randomly hit our balls right over there by this guy who was uh, taking his five-minute break, and he's just watching us. Hey, how's it going? As we swing away. Yep. London, UK. Just follow the crowd. One thing a visitor should know in London is that if in doubt, just do what everyone else is doing, which on every given day is likely to include lining up spontaneously standing on the right side of the escalators, and having your ticket ready when approaching a barrier. A barrier for them is the ticket counter thing. Yep. You are resented by almost everyone behind you if you get to a barrier and think that it's a good time to rummage through your bags to find your ticket, regardless of whether you are a tourist or a local. That's legit, though. D.C. was the exact same way, man. I took the metro there, and if you, if you are not ready to go with your ticket out as soon as you get up to the gate, what are you doing? Like, you're just holding everybody up, sitting there, pulling your wallet out, trying to find your Metro card. Get in, get out. Be prepared, people. Be prepared, people. Again, that was the unspoken rules of the daily commute from readers of the Guardian newspaper from around the world. Dunk, dunk, dunk. I need a sound effect for that, but I don't have one. We'll get there. Well, that's about it for this uh, lovely episode of the Driving You Crazy podcast. Again, next week... We will have Jim Nichols, Senior Manager of Product Technology and Brand Communications at Volvo, and it should be a pretty interesting interview with him, uh, talking about driver's ed and then obviously the future of cars. And uh, I'm really interested about how well the uh, the Volvo uh, subscription deal is going. It's going to be a good conversation. I'm excited to have it. And I'm glad that you uh, made it back safely and that you are all in one piece and your car made it in one piece, and now you have to also uh, go, um, I guess, are you going to get it maintained at Grease Monkey? Ah, uh, you tell me. Should I? Good luck with that. Okay. Are you going to go to the dealership? Uh, p- probably. Let's there you honest. go. Yes. And you're going to pay those exorbitant fees. Can't wait. Can't wait. That's it for the show this week. Thanks again for being here. Thanks again for all the people that have uh, been downloading and streaming the uh, the show. We really do appreciate it. And there have been quite a few here over the last several months. So we appreciate all the new listeners and and uh, looking for more and more, of course, just uh, spread the word. Write a good review here on the old podcast, on the Apple Podcast, or wherever you listen to this podcast. Uh, write the review, rate and repeat. Write, rate, repeat, and uh, tell your friends. And tell all your friends, yep. even if you only have one friend, yep. even if it's a dog. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, I'm Jason Luber, the traffic guy. I'm globetrotting car owner, Joseph Peters. Be safe, and as always, happy motoring. Happy motoring.